It is good to be together, whether we are in the room or that you are joining us online. I'm Nicole Riley, lead and teaching pastor, and I want to welcome you today. If you would like to follow along with the sermon notes, you can do so on our church app. I am afraid of heights, and so there are a lot of things that I just don't do. And one of them is go on a hot air balloon ride. I did think about it for a brief moment. Last year, when I had my birthday, I thought I should do something incredible, like go on a hot air balloon ride. And I thought maybe this was the year where I could do it because in 2019, I had gone on the London Eye, which is like this huge Ferris wheel kind of a thing. And I had done okay. And so I was thinking, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into this. But then I read a story written by a pastor about his experience on his first air balloon ride. And what he found first, which totally surprised me, is that the basket does not come up as high as you think it would. I would think the basket comes up to here. No, like your waist. It comes up to your waist. And then he went on to share about his ride and the turbulence he experienced and how it got so bad in the balloon that the other couple on the ride with him and his wife, upon hearing that he was a pastor, said, we're going to die, do something religious. So after I read his account, I decided I probably would not be taking a balloon ride. And he shared he would not be taking one again either. Is life safe? We ask this not only when we are on a balloon ride. We ask this in the midst of living in our everyday life. Is life safe? Can we go through the difficulties that we face in this life, which might cause us to doubt ourselves, God, the world? Are we safe? Are we safe in this life? I think we wonder about this, especially in today's world when life can feel anything but safe. How easy it is in today's world to look at all of the tragedy in the world and to doubt our safety. And if we're honest, we might even say that there are times when we look at all that's going on in the world and we not only doubt our safety, maybe we even doubt God. Here's the thing, you and I, we will all doubt at different times of our life. We may doubt if the world is safe. We may doubt if we are safe. We may doubt if God is present. We may doubt if God is even real at times. We will all doubt because to doubt is human. Today we finish up our series where we've been talking about facing life's giants. 
And today we're going to talk about the giant of doubt. And my hope is that after we talk today, that you will have a feeling about doubt, that maybe you're a little less afraid of doubt in your life, that maybe you're able to see it more as part of the normal ebb and flow of life, the human condition, that there are times when we doubt. And I hope that you also hear that doubt does not have to consume you, and doubt does not have to rule over you. So we're going to do three things today. We're going to look at an important scripture, we're going to explore doubt, and we're going to look at a couple things that kind of affect how we deal with doubt in our lives, and then we're going to finally talk about how we deal with doubt, how we process doubt in our lives. So let's start with today's text, which comes from 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10. We are often troubled, but not crushed, sometimes in doubt, but never in despair. There are many enemies, but we are never without a friend. And though we badly hurt at times, we are not destroyed. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I love this text. I hope you might consider memorizing it. It's not too long, and I think it is so powerful and so helpful to us. One of the things that makes this text so powerful is the context. So Paul, who wrote this text to the Corinthian community, talks about how God's light in Jesus has come among all the people and how important this is for us to know. He shares that. He and others who will be sharing this light do their best to share the light of Jesus with the world, but they're very aware of the reality that they are a broken people, that they are a people who don't share it perfectly, that they are a people who, in trying to share this important good news, don't always do it right. He shares that, in fact, there are many times when it is only God's power that enables them in their own times of struggle and doubt to be able to persevere and to be able to go on. Paul's words, I think, are a great model for us as we deal with doubt in our own life. So let's look at these phrases. He starts, we are troubled but not crushed. There's a lot in life that troubles us, isn't there? I mean, just think back on your week. Was there anything that troubled you this week? I imagine so. I imagine it's a rare week when something happens that doesn't trouble us in some way. Paul reminds us that we will have trouble, but we do not need to let it flatten us, crush us. That you and I, as followers of Jesus, are made for more. Troubles to be expected. It is the nature of life. But to give up, to be crushed by life's troubles, that does not need to be our future. Next, he says, 
sometimes in doubt, but never in despair. We will doubt. Doubt is part of each and every life, but we do not need to let doubt lead us into despair. Uh, Despair is that, that sense of gloom, that sense of heaviness, that sense of anguish and hopelessness in our lives. We will doubt, yes, but it doesn't need to build to a place where we find ourselves giving up and falling into a place of despair. And then the last section of the text says, there are many enemies, but we are never without a friend. And though we badly hurt at times, we are not destroyed. In this last piece of the text, Paul lifts up two important things for us as we deal with our own doubts. First, he says, we're never alone. I love how he puts it. There are many enemies, but we are never without a friend. Do you know how that feels in your own life? That in the midst of difficult times, in the midst of times where it seems everyone is against you, that there are still those people who love and care for you, still those friends of yours. We are never alone, and sometimes in the midst of life's giants, we can feel alone. We can feel on our own. But Paul wants to remind us we're not. We're never alone. And then second, he wants to remind us that we're going to be hurt by life. There are things that are going to hurt, but we do not have to be destroyed. Hurt, yes, but that does not have the final say on us. Not on our lives and not on how we live. Our text today is rooted in Paul's great belief That you and I can trust in God at all times because God is near. And that God knows our struggles. (laughs) And that God's faith and love and strength for us is enough to get us through when we face life's giants. So I recommend our text to you. It is a great text as we think about life and the many ups and downs of living. I want to look now, building on this idea of what the text has to say, I want to look at some of the things that affect how you and I deal with doubt in our lives, how we're able to process it, because we're not able to process it the same throughout our lives. There are differences. One of the things that affects how we deal with our how we deal with um, our doubt is our age or our maturity. When we're young, we need to know that the world is a safe place and that we are cared for. In fact, society is set up to protect children. Too often, life doesn't cooperate, though. When I was in fourth grade, my best friend, her grandmother, died. And her response was to say that she just didn't believe in God anymore. 
When you're a child, I think it can get down to be a simple equation. When bad things happen to good people, you decide there must not be a loving God. When we are young and life is unsafe, when we deal with loss or tragedy in life, it is hard for us to cope, at least on our own. When we become teenagers, though, we have more choices and we are starting to understand the complexity of life a little more. When we are a youth, we realize that life and faith isn't as clear as it was when we were a kindergartner. When I was in eighth grade, two of my friends and their two sisters were walking home after going to get ice cream. And a woman who was driving down the street and turned to the back seat to smack one of her kids veered off the road and killed all four of them. I remember it so vividly. And I remember that for all of us who were in that class together, all of us who grieved and mourned, we had more capacity to understand and to process that life has good times and awful times. We didn't stop believing, but we had trouble knowing what to do with our grief, our anger, and so many more feelings. Youth have more tools than children to deal with doubt and grief and awfulness in life, but they still don't have all of them. That's why as we become older, we get this opportunity to become an adult and to grow in our understanding of life's complexities, to see that it is filled with this mix of joy and satisfaction and happiness and beauty and tragedy and sadness. Is the world safe? We aren't so sure. But are we safe? For people of faith, we have an opportunity to answer this question differently than the world does. And that is because we believe in more than what meets the eye, more than what we can see. Our lives are not just here and now. Our lives go on for eternity with God. And as we go, grow spiritually mature, we grow to understand more fully that while many things may harm us in life, nothing ultimately does because we are held and the loved ones in our lives are held in God's hands and in God's care. Our age and our maturity matter as we deal with doubts, especially around faith and around tragedy in life. Second thing, I think, that is also something that affects how we deal with doubt is our closeness to the situation. And by that, what I mean is there are many times in life when we're in the midst of a situation and we start doubting and losing our faith and our hope because we're kind of stuck in that situation. This may be a situation around our faith, but it may also be a situation around people and around 
um, what's going on in their lives. It may be situations where we find ourselves uh, just dealing with something in a grief or a sadness over and over again that causes us to doubt life, God, one another. One of the best things that we do when we doubt our faith, God, one another, is to take a step back, take a deep breath, to see the openness that God can bring. When doubt gets a hold of our lives in the midst of difficult situations, whether that's at home or at work or in the world, we get fatigued and we get weary. We may even deal with depression. If you are struggling with the same situation over and over again, and in today's world with COVID, who is not? You may feel a loss of hope. You may begin to doubt. You may wonder if life will change. Our closeness to a situation or a person in times of doubt may mean that we need a break. We need an opportunity to get a fresh perspective. So, both of these things, our maturity, our spirituality, our age, and our closeness to the people or the situation can affect how we're able to process or deal with doubt. But I think as we work through these times, as we work through these situations, we're called to grow. We're called to gain perspective. We're called to be willing to question our doubts and to look at the situation from a deeper place. And the goal is, as our text says, that we are sometimes in doubt, but never in despair. So, how do we move through doubt? How do we grow in times when we find ourselves in a season of doubt so that we're not stuck in that season forever? How do we deal with times of doubt so that we get that it's not something we have to live in and it's not only a challenge, but that there may be an opportunity there? I wish that there were three easy steps I could give you that would take away any doubts that you have in your life. But it is not that easy. And in fact, sometimes I think that doubt is such an important part of life, that we have an opportunity in the midst of doubt to process our faith and our growth and to really do some serious and important thinking. I don't think doubt is to be feared. I think when we are in a season of doubt, sometimes we are afraid, but I don't think that we have to be. I think we can see it as part of our lives. I do have a couple ideas and guidelines for us as we deal with doubt. And the first is this, admit your doubts. You know, here's the thing about doubts is they often get worse when we don't admit them, when we don't share them. Unless you're honest with yourself and with others, you can't move forward in your doubts. Is the scripture filled with confident people who had no doubts? No. The scripture is filled with people who had a ton of doubts. Here's two of them. John the Baptist. Jesus called John the Baptist, his cousin, one of the greatest men who ever lived. And yet, John wondered from prison if Jesus was really who he said he was. 
John doubted. And Thomas, Thomas the one who missed Jesus' appearance at the resurrection and doubted. Did Jesus scold him? No, he said, test me and see. When we share our doubts, especially around our faith, a couple great things happen. And the first is that when we say out loud our doubts, we often find that they don't sound as bad as we thought they did. We don't get hit by lightning. Our pastor doesn't go pale and pass out. Also, once we say what we struggle with, we find that there's so many resources. Things like books and studies, but also real-life people who have been through these things and who have come through them, figuring out life for themselves. Admit your doubts. You cannot frighten God. You cannot frighten those who love you. God will support you as you work through them. Second, doubt your doubts. It is really funny how we give so much credence to our doubts, like there's some rare wisdom that has fallen upon us. What I mean by that is you might doubt your faith, or you might doubt your love for your spouse, or you might doubt your career choice, and that may cause you to think that you should get a divorce or change jobs or move on your way. But what if we were as critical of our doubts as we are of our faith? What if we looked at them as closely as we do our faith? I'll tell you, for me personally, this was a game changer. I'm by nature a doubter and a questioner. And when someone said, have you ever doubted your doubts? I was like, oh, that's a whole new idea. So I recommend it to you. And then third, start with the faith you already have. We have faith. This morning, you had faith that when you ate the breakfast cereal you ate, that the company had not poisoned it, right? You had faith that the sun would rise. You had faith that you threw your clothes in the dryer and that the dryer would hopefully dry them. We all have faith. Start with the faith you have. How do we grow the faith we have? How do we deal with doubt by growing our faith? Well, I think we deal with our doubt by focusing on the little bit of faith that you and I already have. We notice it. We notice what faith we have. And then we spend time growing it by being around God. I think if we hang out with God more, our faith grows more. And that may be things like um, hanging out in worship and in church and with the scriptures and with prayer. When we do these things, it grows our faith because we experience it. You know, it's like if, if you came to me and you said, I have lost all faith that the sun will rise tomorrow, I wouldn't spend a lot of time trying to convince you. Instead, I'd just wake you up early and show you the sunrise. It's the same thing with God. If you lose your faith in God, if you struggle with God, be in the places where you learn more about God, where you see the lives of others who are working also to trust God. That impacts you and changes you.
We are funny about faith and doubt. You tell a man that there are 400 billion stars and they will believe you, but tell the same person a bench has wet paint and they have to touch it. Comedian Stephen Wright said that. We are a doubting people, and you may right now be struggling with doubt. And I want you to know, your doubt is welcome here. You are in good company, for we all have seasons of doubt. Doubt isn't the opposite of faith, my friends. Doubt is part of faith. And it is nothing to fear. Sometimes it feels that we are in a balloon high above the world, wondering if we will come down safely. We doubt that we will make it through. We doubt that we will survive the turbulence. We doubt maybe even in the pilot. But I hope that over these weeks, as we've talked about dealing with life's giants, dealing with failure and temptation and fear and doubt, that you have learned that you have what you need because you have God and that God is in the midst of all of life's giants with us. Let me read these words from Jude. This is a blessing I want to um, say over your life. So as I read these, I invite you just to take some deep breaths in and to breathe in this blessing that God has for you. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to make you stand without blemish in the presence of his glory with rejoicing. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen. So, when you and I face life's giants, we are invited to pick up our slingshot and take aim. Let us pray.